the Turing dialysis moment. And this is a moment where uh, the, most of the patients, they feel unsafe uh, by exercising. And so we need to limit uh, the intensity. We need to limit the volume. We, we limit the options of the exercises because of the fistula and etc. Hi everyone, my name is Paul Bennett and um, I'm Professor of Nursing and uh, Professor of Renal Nursing at Griffith University in Queensland, Australia. And today we're here talking about physical activity in people in kidney disease and in particular people in dialysis and we're lucky enough to be joined by uh, some real experts in this field and uh, we're joined by Wilson Jew from the USA. Stephanie Thompson from Canada, Pedro Ribeiro from Brazil, and Pedro Martins from Portugal, all who had lots of experience and lots of success in the area of physical activity, exercise, and people with kidney disease. I'm going to ask each to introduce yourself. First of all, uh, Wilson, could you uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into your passion of, um, of helping people more physically activity in kidney disease. Absolutely, Paul. Um, uh, again, thank you very much for having me on. Um, my name is Wilson Dew. I go as the renal warrior online. Um, I'm a kidney patient. Uh, was diagnosed in June June of 2016. Uh, at the time of diagnosis, was very, very, very sick. Uh, you know, I've been well over 300 pounds all my adult life. Um, and so you're looking at when I was diagnosed, um, wanted to get to transplant. It was a very difficult time, but was on dialysis for five and a half years. While I was on dialysis, I learned how to become an athlete. I, I dropped 140 pounds and had such a rough time that now I've dedicated my whole life towards helping other patients and helping other uh, helping other patients, whether it's stage three kidney disease or post all the way up to post transplant on dialysis uh, and help them live their best life and hopefully get them towards transplant if that's what they're looking for. Thank you, Wilson. Um, Stephanie Thompson, um, associate professor and nephrologist from Edmonton. Uh, could you introduce, introduce yourself and, and about your passions as well? Hi, Paul. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, so as introduced, I'm Stephanie Thompson. I'm a kidney doc in Edmonton, Alberta, which is Canada's most northerly major city. Um, I am a researcher involved with uh, exercise. And, you know, it's interesting as physicians, we, we don't keep exercise in our back pocket. But what intrigued me is that uh, missed opportunity, because there is no other therapy that has really shown as many widespread benefits. So in terms of mental health, physical health, uh, biochemical markers. Um, so, so my interest was that that fascinated me, why, why we don't uh, prescribe it and use it and promote it. Um, and then also just my personal experience um, watching the change in people as they start to exercise. Uh, it's just, you know, on a personal level, uh, very inspiring. Stephanie. Hey, Tor, uh, would you like to uh, talk about your passion and, and how you got into this area? For sure. Thank you very much for inviting me, Paul. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here discussing this important topic with experts and people who love exercise and physical activity. I'm looking forward to learn and to get more excited 
uh, after this podcast. So my background is an exercise physiologist. So during my my undergrad, I was looking at how exercise may impact people living with chronic diseases. And then when I started my master's and PhD, I got involved uh, in the nephrology division and was looking for how help uh, dialysis related symptoms such as fatigue, cramps, and etc. And then uh, I figured out that exercise was not being delivered for that people and that it could be an excellent uh, option to help them. So my passion began when I realized that we were not delivering a very low-cost and effective uh, intervention to help those people living well with kidney disease. So that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Hector. And, um, and Pedro, over to you. Thank you, Paul, for this invitation. It's my pleasure to be here with with you all talking about this, about such an important topic. My background: it's a, I'm a nurse. Uh, I'm a, a dialysis nurse, and I'm uh, the national coordinator of of a national exercise program in in Portugal, and. Uh, my passion started when I moved from working with with um, stroke patients, and and I moved to to dialysis. And and in Portugal, we have we have a, a specialty for nurses that is rehabilitation nurse. So I used it a lot, of course, with with stroke patients. And when I moved to 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 dialysis, I I just realized that. These these people also need some some exercise interventions. So uh, uh, at that time, I proposed my head nurse to implement an exercise program that was implemented in that dialysis unit, and then uh, we 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 present these these results to our board, and the board decided that this could be. Uh, the medical board and the executive board decide that this could be a, a very good intervention for, of course, for every dialysis unit. So that's uh, that was in 2016. We started uh, spreading the our exercise program around the, the, the uh, at a nationwide level. Thanks, Pedro. So um, it's uh, such a great great group we've got together. We've got. Um, an expert nurse, an expert exercise specialist, an expert nephrologist, and an expert patient. Pedro, while we've got you there, what? How do you keep it going? How do you um, keep it going in all of those dialysis clinics? Um, uh, you know, how do you ensure that um, you get people exercising? What are the key ingredients for that? Of course, you uh, you know you know it. Uh... So good as me as you need to build a, a an exercise culture in 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 your age in your unit. So in and this is the great challenge. So first of all, you have to 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 convince the the deciders. I mean the head nurse and the, the medical director of each unit, and these are two key players for to to succeed. And then, of course, work with the, all the dialysis staff, and uh, and convince patients. And when when you have 
when you have uh, these these people working together, exercise starts as as a routine, as a routine, as as a prescription that is included in the HD treatment. Okay, you you, you I, I usually compare it to a medication that we have to give a patient during a, a, a HD treatment. It's just just uh, doing what you have to do. Just it's it's not not so complex. I mean. And um, Stephanie, uh, Edmonton run a, um, a very active program as well. Can you add to uh, to Pedro's um, response in relation to you know what keeps going and and what are the, some of the strategies? Yeah, no, those are all good points. Especially you know his point about this a critical mass is what you need because you're not going to start off uh, by having everybody on board. We found that we needed a exercise specialist and whether you know that is a kinesiologist or a physiotherapist or whatever it is at your center, but you need someone in the beginning who people trust. Um, there's not a lot of uh, knowledge about exercise and dialysis generally. We, we're not trained in the medical profession. And I think there's a lot of reluctance to really provide it for the people who really need it. You know, there was a lot of recommending it for the younger patients, not the older patients, you know, and actually the older frailer group can benefit the most. So they, they need to trust somebody's expertise. And the thing with patients, I think that my experience was that they needed to put their trust in somebody to promote their body confidence, uh, confidence in their body, they can do that. So that, that really kept it going. The other thing that keeps it going, because it will wax and wane participation, and, and that's normal, and you have to anticipate that. Um, because this is a behavior change, right? So people will come and go and, and, you know, adherence will go up and down. So again, having that person to follow up, but then also this culture, like this asking, you know, everybody asks, why aren't you cycling today? You know, do you want to try cycling? Um, that's another way. The other way we try to do is initiatives, you know, friendly competitions between other units, between patients um, to try to keep it going. Um to make it a bit more fun and just promote, you know, everybody's at dialysis. And I think one patient said it to me the best, you know, after dialysis, we used to just talk about dialysis and now we talk about exercise. And I thought that was really cool. And what sort of competitions? Uh, do they get really competitive, the patients? They can. We do them with uh, Calgary. So that's our southern southern sister city. And, uh, you know, it's like the number of kilometers biked and that type of thing. And we've even tried to get the staff pit against each other a little bit. So, uh, yeah, those things are really helpful. So do you, ever, do you see the staff getting pit? Sorry, Pedro, go for it. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Paul. We we do a, we make a, a competition between HD units. I mean, uh, uh, we we measure implementation outcomes every every months. So we send to the units how many patients they have exercising, what is their adherence, how many dropped out. So we we have it a competition between units, between the staff about the outcomes they are achieving with the with their patients. And and it works. Pedro, do you mind if I ask you a quick question? Yes, um, of course, Wilson. Do, do, do you have the patients exercise as part of their treatment before treatment, after treatment, days that they're off? How do you, and if it's days that they're off, how do you get them to come back to the clinic to, to do the exercise? I would love to have 
other options, but what we offer is during dialysis. It's intradialytic exercise in every unit, okay? On the but chair. We have on the chair, yeah, during okay. dialysis. We have in some specific units different in different interventions that but in these interventions, and now I, I I agree with Stephanie, if you want to do something more, you need exercise specialists. And we have, what we have is uh, in, uh, master students, students of, of sports sciences, students, students that have an internship in our units, but of course, in not every units. And when we have this kind of professional, we can make another things. Okay, but the I would say the the basic intervention is the intradialytic exercise, and we have it without hiring more staff, just with the the dialysis staff that we had before the the the, the exercise program. And so um, I mean, Wilson, yeah, sorry, Pedro Wilson's ta uh, taken it another step um, with bringing people exercising not on dialysis as well. Wilson, tell us about your programs and program and your your um, centre that, you, that oh, you have people there. Yes, no, th this is absolutely great. Um, I've, I've written down a lot of nuggets from Pedro and Stephanie. Um, Pedro, wonderful job. I, I got to connect with you regarding starting a national program for exercise in a dialysis patient. Uh, I, I believe it's right. It should be just like a prescription. Stephanie spoke on a lot of good things, um, you know, building that culture, having an exercise specialist, however, needing somebody to trust. That is uh, that is absolutely 100% a big deal as coming from a patient. Um, I, I run a gym. I, I actually was so passionate about the exercise and losing the weight and becoming an athlete while being on dialysis that uh, as of today, I dedicated my life to it. I opened up a huge facility uh, here in my hometown, uh, which originally was just to train kidney patients. However, you know, now we're getting patients of all sorts from uh, all over the world uh, as as well as how do we and they all get a train uh, for free at the, at the current moment. Um, what we have is we have our regular gym members here that I train, which all their membership dues goes and pays for um, all the patients to actually uh, take the courses. And, you know, for my uh, my particular program, it's uh, almost exactly like what Stephanie says. Uh, I'm an exercise specialist uh, just for me. And what happens is I train other folks and I use that as knowledge to bring back to the patients. But first, you have to have somebody that you trust. And where I come in uniquely when I talk to patients is that I am a patient. I was on dialysis for five and a half years, just received my kidney transplant uh, March 8th of 2022. And during while I was on dialysis, I lost 140 pounds. Now, my biggest takeaway is or, or my biggest thing on, on the programs that I have for these patients is first thing, the patient has to want it. We cannot sell them on the fact that they need it. If they don't want it, it's going to be very difficult to try to carry them throughout this program. And the first step is, is making sure that they do want it. And once they do want it, we create the necessary steps for them to do a lot of folks like myself, a lot of patients, they see that it's a big mountain to climb. They think that in order to exercise, to get to the goal that they want to get to, it's such a huge feat that they don't even want to get started. They get defeated. 
So what we do is we actually break it down completely to what they can do. And the first things is always building their confidence. Number one, showing them what is possible. Because when it's so far out, it's very difficult to see what is actually possible in terms of can I lose the weight so I can qualify for transplant? Can my A1C really get lower? Can I really get stronger while I'm on dialysis? And I'm telling them, hey, look, I'm showing them videos and pictures. I was on a wheelchair. I was well over 300 pounds. I started off with a 10 feet walk. So if you think that exercise is going to be brutal and it's you're going to be hurting, you're going to be so tired. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to make you do that. All I'm trying to convince you to do is just take a couple of steps. Let's do what you can and let's rest. And then we track that. We track everything that they do so they can actively see their improvements. And once they see that, they build a little bit more confidence. And then once they build a little bit more confidence, they're able to push more. So we have a general class that uh, is fairly simple exercises and it builds all of their confidence. And when they're ready, they'll call me and say, hey, you know what? I think I surpassed the class. I think I need a little bit more. That's when we'll pull them in for personal training if they're local or I would write out a particular exercise program that's manageable for them. We track everything. We track their weight. We track their labs. We track uh, anything that we can possibly track to help show them that they are improving, whether it's through their diet, whether it's through their exercise, whether it's through their labs. And we use that same frame to also work with them to adhere to nutrition. It's step by step by step. And I often give this uh, example is that uh, I had a patient that came in uh, diabetic uh, stage four uh, kidney disease and um, she's in her 60s. She's been drinking, you know, 17 to 20 Cokes a day uh, for I don't know how many years, 20, 30 years, decades. And the doctor just said, you just need to stop. Otherwise, you're going to, you know, you're going to hurt yourself, this, that and the other thing. She's like, how do I stop? I drink so much. The doctor's like, well. They're your consequences. You either you either stop or these are the, your consequences. And at that point, she's completely defeated. You know, she's like, she's now you're outweighing your battle within your own mind regarding can I drink the Coke? Would I rather just drink the Coke and just die early? It's fine. All this stuff. But lo and behold, when uh, uh, her nephrologist was also my nephrologist. So uh, he actually sent her over here to come see me. And what we did was, OK, 17 Cokes a day. That's okay. Let's start off with just 16 for this week. And little by little, some weeks we stayed at 15 Cokes for two or three weeks before we went down to 14, but it took us six months. And after six months, she was soda free. And the thing is, is that we have to let them know. um, We have to praise when they do something, uh, when they do something great and do constructive criticism in, in a proper way. And they see the improvement. And as they see the improvement, their confidence builds up little by little. And soon before they know it, they're doing everything they need to do. So hope, hopefully oh. that answers your, your, your questions, Paul. Mm-hmm. Oh, may and I make a question to Wilson? Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Uh, our, our data show, because you, you talk uh, about the patient must want to. Okay, but the 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 truth is that we have many patients that don't want to, and we right. and we ha- we also have to do something for them. Okay, absolutely. We have we have uh, about forty percent of the patients that have clinical conditions to participate, but they don't want to, and we know that these patients are older, have more comorbidity, have a 
have a, a worst physical function, body composition. So in, in general, they have a, a, a worst uh, health condition. So probably they are not telling us that they don't want to, but probably yeah. they think they can't. Okay. So as, as a patient, what you would like to listen from your dialysis staff to start to have a different attitude? You know, that's, that's a wonderful you- question. That, that, that's a great question. And that is, I believe, the biggest hurdle for a lot of um, professionals in terms of, uh, you know, I remember being on dialysis, being, you know, just wheelchair ridden um, and just extremely overweight. Uh, I, again, I didn't qualify for transplant three. I think I was probably about 153 kilos, I think, was my highest. And, you know, the doctor kept on saying same thing to me. He's like, you got to exercise. You got to do something. I, I'm in a wheelchair. What, what do you expect me to do? I can't do anything. I blamed everybody. I didn't want to do it. You know, I, I, I will tell you that even... When I was on that wheelchair and my mother was taking care of me, um, she would only kick, cook me food that was catered to the renal diet. And I hated it. No sodium, everything baked, nothing fried. And I was like, I don't want to eat that. And she would force it down to me. And the minute that I was able to kind of walk, I didn't eat that food. I started eating whatever I wanted to eat. And it got to a point where she cried and she was like, how come you don't want to do this? You're, you're going to die if, if, you, if you don't do this. And at that point, I didn't care because, you know, the mountain was too, it was too high for me to climb. And all I was looking at was, why would I, why would I change this one meal? Why would I do this one exercise? I don't want to do it. And because I don't want to do it, I'd, it's so hard. I'd rather just be in my condition and whatever will happen will happen. So the motivating question is huge. First off is always showing the patient, giving them hope. We should never sell the patient on you have to do this. You should do this because natural, a natural thing as a patient is if you're a tech, if you're a nurse and you're telling me to do this or you're a doctor, I'm going to tell you, you don't know what I feel. You don't know what I'm going through. And so don't tell me what to, it's not that it's it's not that easy. I, I, I've been drinking Coke all my life and you're telling me I have to stop. There's no way. How do you expect expect for me to stop? And the one, the biggest thing is letting the patient know, number one, if they don't want to do it, open that dialogue respectfully so that they, and let them say, you know, if you're not ready, let me know. I understand. Uh, if you don't want to do it, let me know. I understand. Leave that open first. And then after they come out to you with the truth, in my opinion, is that if they come out and they go, yeah, you know, I really don't feel like starting. I don't think I'm ready. Then at that point, we can try to dig deeper to find out why. And I think often, more oftentimes than not, you're going to find out that it's too intimidating to start any particular program. We're creatures of habit. We don't like change. And especially if it's an uncomfortable change. So the best way is if you could find another patient uh, in the area or within that clinic, maybe a patient that's received a transplant to come and speak with the patient. Patients have a lot more credibility with patients. They can say the exact same thing a tech or a nurse or a doctor says, but the dialysis patient will listen to a patient that's already gone through it, that's already had some successes with it, okay? That's number one. Number two, showing the patient that, hey, if you start off now, this is where you could be if you kept it up. So show them their hope, show them what 
you know, it, whether it's you can qualify for transplant, whether it's you can get off these meds, whether, it, you know, they can reduce the day in dialysis or shorten their time, give them some type of carrot that they can actually see. Then the next step would be to show them that it is not so difficult where it's I have patients that uh, are uh, elderly that are in a wheelchair. And they go, I can't exercise. Why do I want to exercise? I can't even get up off this wheelchair. Everything is so difficult. We go, okay, well, you know, just go into class and just watch it first. And they'll see other people in their wheelchair and they're just moving, just clapping their hands or something like that. Something very small that's attainable, whatever that is. And if they can attain that, track it, whatever it is, if it's, you know, if they can get up off their chair and stand up and sit down just two times. Okay. That's fine. Just relax. That's it. That's it for today. Just two. just get up twice, track that, have them do that all week. And next week say, let's try three. And they, they do that. And then soon before, you know, when they're doing four or five or six, then you're like, look, remember when we started doing more than two was very difficult. You try to get that third one's very difficult. Now you're looking at five. You're doing five, no problem. Six is hard. And now you're you're building their confidence. Like, oh, there is an improvement. And a lot of patients, when they're on dialysis or or they, they we're always goal-seeking uh humans. And when they see that, they're gonna go, Wow, I did five. I saw the improvement. Well, what happens if you keep on doing it? Then all of a sudden they're doing 10, they're doing 15. Now your markers are beginning to improve, whether that be in weight, whether that be in strength. Um some of the patients I work with, they they come on. I, I get these stories all the time where they'll come into class and they'll go, well, then guess what? The other day I fell. I'm like, oh, no, you fell. What's going? They're like, but I fell, but I braced myself and I was fine. And, you know, to little things like that, we get patients to say, look, when I stand up now, I don't have to put my hand on the table or on the chair. I can stand up without any assistance. Those little ones, we have to celebrate them. When we celebrate them, they get more and more excited. And if they're in the class, have if they're willing to share it with all the other patients because excitement, uh, uh, excitement, improvement is contagious, especially among patients in a place where still everybody's stuck in despair. We're on this chair. And when you see that little hope and you see that excitement, you want to cling on to it a little bit more. And that may get the other people that never didn't want to get started. They're going to go, wow, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can try to stand up and sit down one time, just like, uh, you know, just like Jane over there. So, you know, it's all about building that whole confidence and 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 actually showing them once they see in real time that they can see the improvement, they can see what they're doing uh, is helping them and getting them better. I think you have a much higher chance of adherence and you have a much higher chance of getting the other folks that are on the fence to actually join in. Hope that helps. Hey, Joe. Uh, it, it certainly helps. And you certainly got us all excited again, Wilson, because uh, you, the passion really, really comes through. Um, I wonder if I could, you talked about, um, about you know, how some people are very, very frail. They can't do anything and that sort of thing. And, and there is a lot of, a lot of um, muscle wasting, a lot of physiology behind, pathophysiology behind what's happening in a renal patient's body. I wonder if I could throw it to Haytor because Haytor is a, an exercise scientist. He's a research fellow. His area of expertise is is really what's happening in the muscles and, and how we can improve that. And I wonder, Haytor, whether you could tell us a little bit about your research and about the muscle wasting and how you can 
build up these muscles and and, and some of those interventions that that really do work. Yeah, thank you very much, Paul. I was listening to Wilson, and it's so so amazing to listen to people who love exercise. And oh man, uh, you was... know it. <laughs> And I was thinking on uh, our experience here, Paul, when we implemented exercise as a routine, such as Pedro did in Portugal and Stephanie in Canada and you did in Australia. And most of our implementations, they are really focused on uh, the during dialysis moment. And this is a moment where uh, the, most of the patients, they feel unsafe uh, by exercising. And so we need to limit uh, the intensity. We need to limit the volume. We, we limit the options of the exercises because of the fistula and et cetera. So I think when we have uh, a change in lifestyle uh, behavior, behavior just like Stephanie did, uh, we may achieve uh, this uh, weekly uh, goals, daily goals, monthly goals, as Wilson was, was telling us. And well, our experience here, Paul, when we've been, when we decided to implement exercise, we were first looking for the costs and then we we had uh, a limited budget and so we need to buy uh, cycling equipments or strength training equip equipments and then we were uh, looking for some uh, dialysis related uh, symptoms and other dys dysfunctions and we saw that most of the patients they have weakness they have uh, low muscle levels and they experience uh, sarcopenia, dynopenia and muscle wasting uh, really quick. And then uh, we found that buying uh, strength training equipments would be cheaper than, than cycling and aerobic training. And then uh, we decided to implement, uh, we've published our experience, but discussing the physiology of muscle wasting and sarcopenia and dynopenia, uh, it's interesting because when we discuss sarcopenia, we have uh, two different uh, phenotypes of sarcopenia. We have uh, the sarcopenia, which is related to aging. So all of us, all of us, we're going to experience uh, some levels of uh, aging in our muscle. And then we're going to lose uh, transactional area or lose strength. Uh, but we have uh, the secondary sarcopenia when... Uh, for disease-related reasons, uh, this aging process is accelerated. And this is the case of the chronic kidney disease, and especially the end-stage kidney disease, the dialysis treatment, where the aging is so accelerated because most of the, the patients, they have uh, limited protein ingest. Uh, most of them, they, they are physically physically inactive and so they start to experience muscle disease and with this muscle disease most of the the modern neurons uh, that used to connect to the muscle and to produce force produce strength to to walk faster and to run etc uh, they lose their connections and uh, we start to experience losses in muscle strength first then muscle muscle mass so in the short description 
uh, that's that's it. And so we we found that strength training probably would uh, promote these patients uh, even the maintenance in in muscle musculoskeletal health. Uh, even if we do not have improvements, if we promote the maintenance of musculoskeletal health, it would be beneficial because of the accelerated aging in the muscle uh, caused by CKD itself. Uh, but in our experience, and something I would like to ask you, Stephanie or Pedro, uh, what have you been doing and discussing in Canada and Portugal to achieve other levels of exercise prescription? Because we found that only during dialysis is not enough if you want to to get improvements. So I was living in Brasilia, Brazil's capital. Uh, now I've been living in Sao Paulo, which is the economical capital. And I've been working with a dialysis group and we've been trying to implement like small gyms within the dialysis unit. So patients could go on the other day of the dialysis or pre-dialysis and try to have uh, different exercise options with supervision, uh, with higher intensity, uh, higher weights and etc. So it's it's something we've been implementing. Uh, it's, it's implemented in sick units uh, so far. Uh, we have some equipment and machines and free weights and etc. So it's something we're trying to offer to patients outside of the dialysis so they could achieve higher intensity and higher volume and etc. Uh, it's still a challenge because most of the patients, they have some difficulties to come earlier to the dialysis or to come on the other day of the dialysis because of the fatigue and etc. But uh, it's something we've been trying to deliver to the patients too. And during that moment, uh, patients are assisted by an exercise physiologist or physical therapist. So they have the confidence that they could achieve higher levels uh, of exercise and intensity. But I, I really would love to listen from your experience in Canada and in Portugal to, uh, to see what you've been doing to deliver exercise outside of the dialysis. Stephanie, you first or? Sure. Um, I agree completely here. Uh, we become quite complacent with our, you know, exercising during dialysis, but it's specificity. So if you want to stop falling, you got to work on dynamic balance and you can't do that in a chair. Right. So um, we really we do offer home programs. And, you know, we do try to provide patients with uh, bands and so on, but we do find that it's not as popular. Um, it's just people like to sometimes use that time during dialysis to, to do it because it's there, the equipment's there and they have the help. So we, we're really trying to work on promoting the home exercise. I love the idea of per, like providing that space and that opportunity um, space and time are, as you know, valuable resources. So we have, we don't, we haven't won that, but, uh, that, is, that is my dream because, you know, you look at cardiac rehab, you look at pulmonary rehab, they have this space, they have that resource. We do not. And it's, it blows my mind that, uh, kidney has not allocated that same importance and embedded that into routine care the way those other chronic disease specialties have. So, uh, no, it's a model, and I'd love to uh, hear more about what you're doing. Okay. Um, a few days ago, I was, I was reading a paper 
when and, and patients will ask about the preferred location to exercise and about 70% of the patients said at home that is totally against what we have been doing all these years <laughs> we are always doing the same that is intradialytic exercise and and i totally understand it because it is easier okay but as Aitor said it is not enough. We, we, in our experience in Portugal, and I'm just talking about aerobic exercise, because uh, for strange exercise, it's even lower. We meet only 60% of the physical activity recommendation that we, we all know. So, of course, we need another solutions to complement uh, intradialytic exercise, uh, because only with intradialytic exercise, we will not meet physical activity recommendation. And of course, we will not have the health impact that we we aim. And uh, another experience we had during COVID, because many HD units suspended the intradialytic exercise program. So we start uh, an online exercise program. And uh, we saw that patients who, who... who participated in that program. They participated at home, many of them with uh, their relatives or friends. And they, they, the ones that continue the intradialytic exercise intervention, they don't uh, reduce their participations. I mean, this is not one inter- intervention that is competing with another intervention. We have a cumulative effect. So what we should be doing now is to propose different interventions that go, trying to, to meet what are the patient's preferences and, uh, and needs. So, of course, now in, in Portugal, what we are seeing is that, okay, this is great. We have, we have done a, a, a good program, but our patients need more. Right. When we we you talk we are talking about a population that have uh, a lot of comorbidities and you can't expect with small amounts of exercise to solve all all their problems and so that's why we have to think in other solutions to complement intradialytic exercise of course. Yeah, it's a good it's a good point. It just makes me think because that paper I know which one you're talking about is in Canada. And uh, yes, it is. Paper. Yeah, and yeah. it just—it was a great paper. They like a lot of patients responded. So what are what are we missing then about that home preference? If people aren't taking it, like they they say it, but then we find that people when it comes to the prescription time, people default to the in center. So we're we as as the specialists and the providers are missing something. We're not meeting a need, or we don't quite know how how to do it. Is is what I wonder. Yeah, yeah. And I think the challenge is the the challenge with most most of our health services is that um, you know um, a lot of it our care is with the four to four hours of dialysis and then they sort of see you later. And many of our countries we don't um, we don't practice the sort of across the across the primary care through to our tertiary care very well. And I think that's a real challenge with our dialysis community because of the segmentation of care. Oh, totally. That's it. We are in our silo and uh, 
But I think that's a big part of it is integrating what is in the community to, to meet the need of that. Person. And probably before dialysis, of course, when, when yeah. a, 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 a patient uh, need dialysis is because they have too many problems uh, like left ventricular hyperten uh, uh, hypertrophy. So, of course, there are such big problems that you can't handle with a very small amount of exercise. Okay, and 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 uh, there are there are people, and in that paper, Stephanie, they really say that the at HD unit uh, is not their preferred location, not at all. Yeah, well, and it's Wilson, curious yeah. because it's very convenient for them. Wilson, have you got a comment on that? Yeah, uh, uh, in regards to getting uh, people uh, people motivated outside of uh, dialysis uh, clinics and all yeah. that. Yeah, no, yeah, and it, also I suppose the the on dialysis versus the off dialysis or complementary, but also those patients who are really really frail or real or, or you know, and then they say no, I, I you know I can't really do much at all. Um, so right. I can cope with all of that. Yeah, so you know everybody comes in with a different ability or different uh, level, and it's it's important for us um, uh, as a coach. It's important for me to when I first assess a patient to see what they can do, let them, letting them know it it is okay, whatever it is that they can do. We got to start somewhere, right? To have a baseline. Um, again, uh, my biggest thing is 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 just um, creating that baseline tracking it, uh, tracking it. And once they see the improvement, they'll, they will continue to, if they see some type of improvement that can motivate them to continue to come back. It's, it's really, again, just, um, showing them that, that it is possible. And if they don't believe it's possible, they're not even going to start they, they, they don't want to start. Or, or if you say, you know, this is good for, yeah, they'll give it a shot. But if they, if they feel that there's no hope in it, they're, they're not going to want to continue. They're not going to want to adhere. They're not going to want to exercise outside of the hemodialysis clinic uh, for whatever program that you have in there. But in order for them to adhere to that, it's again, really, it's it's a lot of mental work. It's a lot of just um, mindset, change, changing that up, trying to address that as opposed to just addressing the exercise the strength training, the, um, you know, the losing of weight, the, you know, the labs, all, be, before any of that has to, uh, before any of that happens, we have to make sure that the patient wants it. And the, how do we make sure the patient wants it is that we can show them where they, where they can be, show them what the incremental steps are, show them what that next step is. And if they go, Oh, I think I can do that. I can work that way. So I can, you know, I can, I, I've able again going back to the sit down stand up test is that I can I can do that once or I after I do that once I can certainly maybe get a little stronger and do it twice and when you show them that incremental uh, abilities that they have and their improvement then it's gonna make them want to adhere more and more and more you know so it's that that's always my whole thing is just talking to them first about like do you really want to do this. You know, it's these these are the steps. Um, and if you want to do it, let's go ahead and get started. If you don't want to do it, completely understand, but why? You know, let's make let's try to think this through. Let's think this through together. And again, uh often more often times than not, it's that it's impossible. This is gonna be difficult. I'm very frail. I, I can't move. 
well, you can certainly go to walk to the bathroom. And I, I always talk about when I first literally started my journey, I, I told myself that I was going to choose life on that time where I was either going to stop dialysis or I was going to fight it. And when I decided that I was going to fight, I never looked back and it literally got up off that wheelchair, started off with a 10 foot walk. It was just from the wheelchair to the front door, came back, slept the rest of the day. But I kept on doing that every single day until that 10 feet turned into 15 feet. It was just small incremental growth. And I was like, whoa, I just went a little further. And maybe that time was only in the house. And my whole sense of freedom was being able to step outside the door, which was maybe another few feet. And just with that was being able to breathe on my own outside the fresh air. It was like, wow, that was a huge milestone, even though that was just a simple few feet walk. So it's those little things. We find out what are the triggers that gets the patient excited, gets the patient like, oh, oh, okay, cool. Oh, I think I can do this. Okay, cool. Well, let's do it again. And, you know, accountability, like what uh, Stephanie mentioned uh, initially is huge. You know, I, I love creating that culture of competition um, and, and the accountability. I can promise you that when they make a small improvement, going, sitting up one more time or being able to walk a little bit further or if they're getting a little bit stronger, they are bragging to all of their friends and tell them it's okay. Brag to everybody you know. And when they start bragging to everybody they know, they're holding themselves accountable so that they can do more so they can brag about their next improvement, right? And that's all in the mind as opposed to the physical science of it. And when they start having those uh, endorphins come out, I can tell you that they are going to want to do more and more and more. So that's what we uh, need a lot more of. Yeah, I think the key message is tailored and individualized interventions. Uh, and it's really uh, great to to hear from you speaking about it, Wilson, because most of us in our uh, science papers and yeah. scientific projects, we try to deliver in a specific dose, in a specific right. modality, in a specific uh, intervention that will right. manage all the, the problems. <laughs> and but see, that's why I come in. Yeah. <laughs> And, and most of the time, uh, when we speak about exercise and physical activity, there is no uh, one size fits all. Uh, we need to individualize and, and tailor interventions. And that's a challenge for us exercise physiologists and, and yes. clinicians and et cetera, because we need people who knows how to, to work and to prescribe and to manage exercise related interventions and especially uh, Unfortunately, these people were not funded in most of the dialysis services and nephrology services. So uh, most of the time, it's a burden for the, the nurses, right, Pedro, to, to get one more function, one more role in the nephrology service or for the, the nephrologist, Stephanie. So I'm not sure. Uh, it, it's a challenge. It's something we've been discussing here in Brazil because we know the benefits of exercise of being physically active. I think we should stop studying the benefits and etc. And, and studying about the barriers, facilitators, and how to uh, have exercise professionals, physiotherapists, professionals involved in the nephrology services and, and etc. I know it's a funding issue and it's something we've been discussing in Brazil, how to, to fund 
these professionals to to routinely work on these facilities uh, but we haven't got there yet so if you guys could talk a little bit about this about uh how we could uh have these professionals involved in the services uh even you paul in australia you've done something interesting about it or or wilson go ahead guys I, i'd like, no, to, no, I'd I, like, I, like I, to hear about you know, it <laughs> yes um uh maybe we'll, we'll we'll take this discussion offline but that's exactly what i'm building right now is a program uh to take out nationally uh we're going to roll it out and how do we get the exercise professionals involved and uh, i have a, i have a huge strategy for that um yeah well i mean we can go on for hours about that so <laughs> tell you what offline I'd, i'd like to speak to all of you offline and and and, and talk about some of the programs yeah. that uh Well, we your, buzz, your business model is perfect. You have healthier patients, healthier yeah. people paying for yes. for patients. Yeah. Right. I, you know, the thing is, 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 you know, I'll, I'll give you a quick thing regarding how to get exercise professionals involved is that my gym that I started was supposed to be just for the patients. But most of the patients that we have here where I'm at is the folks are worried about making a living, surviving more, more so than instead of trying to pay for a gym membership or anything like that, right? So we create a model where um, uh, we, you know, people can get great workouts anywhere, but they like to help to support a cause. If you went out to a local gym and you spoke to them and say, hey, if you would offer this program, dedicate yourself one hour a day, five days a week for other patients to come in and check it out, that actually can help their own business. Instead of marketing and doing all these advertisements, They do that for the community and, you know, the community will see it and the community will help. And more oftentimes than not, a lot of the patients, their family, their friends, they will come and support that particular business just because they know their relatives are getting the help there. You know, so that is a good business model in terms of that. And that's exactly what we're trying to build um, here uh, where I'm at. Yeah, for for dialysis providers, of course, the funding of exercise specialists will will always be a problem. We know that the at least in Portugal, the the reimbursement includes many services that is medication, dialysis, blood transfusions, etc. But don't include a, a, an exercise intervention. So. Yeah. The fact is that it's not the responsibility of the dialysis uh, uh, provider to 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 give patients with exercise. So uh, this is a, a completely gray zone now. Yeah. I think that's where that's where we need it. We know the world revolves around money. Uh, we know that we have different health systems in the world. We have hybrid health systems, public, private. We have fully public and we have very privatized systems such as uh, in the United States. So um, each each region has its own challenges. And I think there's been a fair bit written now about some of the challenges. Some of them is because reimbursement doesn't happen through national levels. Some of it is through uh, um, uh, reimbursement that happens at a local level. Um, and some amazing models. And um, and I think some of the messages here today um, that we've talked about, um, some of the unique successes that we've all had in, in our in our services um, are very different and have very different challenges. I think if we could um, clone 
if we could clone Wilson and Wilson's and franchise Wilson's model to um, the rest of the world, we have um, a far healthier dialysis um, group. Um, that's not possible, but I think that uh, certainly we could um, um, assist Wilson uh, getting getting Wilson's message out, which is a very similar message to all of us, which is pretty much move more, <laughs> get stronger, and and people with more independent better quality of life and and we can see that with some of the successes that we've had um and it's it's frustrating that we don't have the resources at times as well um we've heard a lot today and i'll have to wrap up soon around um around the challenges that we had the successes that we've had i think we've heard some really um some absolutely inspirational um information from wilson talking about um breaking our breaking it down small steps at a time measuring everything that what we can do talking about hope and giving motivation inspiration um uh i think that student model that you talked about pedro um has been very successful in various places around the world where we we combine with universities and have exercise professional students come in to support under the supervision of, of other exercise professionals um uh, stephanie has some great uh information around how how that you can use the home and also the the intradialytic um and it's a good balance and some things for some people and some things for others and i think fitting it into people's lifestyle is a really important aspect as well some great messages i wonder if anyone has any absolute pearls of wisdom that they haven't already covered already that they really want to get over to mainly nephrologists and healthcare professionals um, in the kidney world. Anyone got anything to add now? There's always money for the important things. <clears throat> and I think it's important to remember, so if this is something that patients feel are impo is important and physicians feel is important, and they're aware of how it's a tool and how it really can help people, can help people get through a treatment, with restless legs, and that's relevant to nephrologists for people who cut their treatment short because they can't tolerate it. It's been shown uh, in trials to help depression. Uh, we know that it improves physical function and prevents frailty, which ultimately can prevent people from receiving a transplant once they finish their years of workup or waiting for that kidney, and you know then they can't even get to the bathroom. So I think that we really need to um, identify these priorities and understand where exercise can play in and then quit it with the double standard of, oh, but we can't pay for that. Um, there's always money for the important things. And I think that quote is if we can't find time for exercise today, we'll have to find time for illness uh, in the future. So I think on that on that uh, on that um, note, I think we need to finish up. And um, I'm sure that if anyone needs any more information or wants to get in contact with any of the uh, speakers today, that um, they can get our contact details through um, the International Society of Nephrology, and um, we can provide more details as well. So um, I'd like to thank Stephanie Hator. Wilson and Pedro for your valuable time today. 
uh, thank you for inspiring all of us and uh, and hopefully we will move on to a world where people are exercising and, and physically being more active and stronger and being more independent for a better quality of life. So thank you all. All right. Thank you. Thank you, thank guys. You. Thank you very much, Paul. Good talking to you. Cool.